Well, this is uh, the first week of a new series. We're getting going with a series uh, called Simple Christmas. And you would think that the Christmas series would be pretty easy for me to come up with. But man, I tell you what, all year long, I, I, I've changed what this series was going to be up three or four times. Up to about two weeks ago, I was concrete on another thing. And then it just was like, ah. And finally, I was like, well, I just want to just deal with just simple Christmas. Just the simple beauty of what the Christmas season is all about. So without a whole lot of flourish, without a whole lot of fanfare... Let's just look at the simple beauty of what this Christmas season is about. If you've got your Uversion app open, you can follow along in your notes there. Or you can fill in the blanks there in your paper bulletin that we gave you on the way in. But Christmas is simply about God giving to us. If we forget that, we have totally missed the season. If we think it's about the parties and the family gatherings and the food and the gifts and all of that, and we forget that it's about God giving to us, then we've missed the whole, we've missed the whole point. We've missed the whole point. And the busyness of the season, it can complicate it. This holiday season can feel so pressured. My family's from Odessa. I grew up there. You probably saw it on the news. That the people were feeling, yeah, crazy at Walmart. In Odessa, people were feeling so crazy about some discounted um, tablets, $49 tablets, that there were people rushed a pallet of these, knocked over an eight-year-old boy. He's getting trampled. And screaming and hollering, security's there. And the only thing that they do to react is hose the crowd with pepper spray. And so all these people get sprayed with pepper spray. That includes the little innocent infants in their shopping carts getting pepper sprayed and getting teared. It's just a mess. There was nothing good about it. There wasn't a good solution, but it was just out of control. <laughs> that's not Christmas. That's That's not it's, it's, that's not what it is. It's simply about a simple beauty of, the, of an incredible act of love. That's what Christmas is about. It's not about trying to save a buck so we can give a, the next gift. It's not about all of the other stuff. It is about this simple beauty of this incredible gift that God gave of himself in his son, Jesus. And simple Christmas Folks, it's just about Jesus. That's what this is about. See, 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, And now I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth patter, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. That's the message translation. The enemy... From day one till today has tried to make anything that's Christ focused become something other than Christ focused. He'd love it to us to enjoy all sorts of things and totally forget about the gift of Jesus. I appreciated it last night that I had to stop at Lowe's for a, a project. And so I'm checking out and I simply said Merry Christmas to the lady. And she said, 
Merry Christmas to you, and I am not saying Happy Holidays. Well, me neither. I'm saying Merry Christmas. It is about Jesus. Because if we, if we let it become up these other things, we miss the beauty of the news that the angels were so excited to give. That the heavens opened up and the angels got their little part. And God only let them talk to a couple of shepherds way off by themselves. But they were so pumped about what was happening on the earth. God, I think he just had to let them have a part. That they were just like pulling his little God robes and saying, God, we want to do something. This is awesome. He's like, all right, there's these shepherds over here. You, you, you can talk to them. Because the way he works over and over again is through, is through us. And man, and, and the heavens open up and they, they, they let the shepherds know and they were so excited. And the first news of the gospel, the good news, was spoken to those there. And we can miss the important news of it. I just absolutely love the, the story of um, in uh, December of 1903, first we're at the hundred year mark uh, of this, that the Wright brothers were finally successful in breaking the bonds of earth and flying for an incredible, an incredible hundred and twenty feet. I mean, this building is longer than the distance that they flew. And, uh, and so they fly this 120 feet, but hey, we don't despise small beginnings. If you can fly 120 feet, you can fly 120 million feet. You just gotta get things a little better. So they were excited, and, and they decided to send a telegram to their sister Catherine. And this is the telegram they send. <clears throat> they said, we actually, we have actually flown 120 feet. Stop. We'll be home for Christmas. Stop. Catherine gets this little short telegram. They have flown 120 feet. She goes immediately to their newspaper. This guy is getting a scoop of his life. The first people to fly, and he gets to be the first reporter. She takes the telegram, doesn't say a word, slaps it on on the news editor's desk, and he reads it, and his response are, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's sweet, but they flew. They left the ground and they flew. Somehow this guy that was supposed to have a nose for news missed this news when it was right in front of his face. You know, sometimes I think the excitement of Christmas, the, the love of having our families together, all of the beautiful things that cascade out of this thing that's Christ-centered, that somehow all of the joy and the, the, just the, the time off and just the relaxing and everybody being together, that somehow we, that can begin to kind of push Jesus out. And we make it about all of these other things that there's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with getting together. There's nothing wrong with giving gifts. There's nothing wrong with all of the, the parties. We just have to remember we can't let Christmas gatherings overshadow the huge news of who Jesus is and that he has come. See, the Christmas holiday is simply about worshiping Jesus. Christmas, if it's not about worshiping Jesus, we've hijacked it. We've messed it up. 
And the thing is, I put there in parentheses in your notes that we need to remember that holiday does not mean this, this beautiful word for day off of work. That's not what holiday means. If you dr- drill it down in its original language, it's not what it means. It doesn't mean day off of work. It doesn't mean time and a half. It doesn't mean any of those things. It's holy day. It's holy day. That Christmas is a holy day. It is a time for us to reverence God and, and, and take in all that the first Christmas gift ever, God to man, sending him son, himself, that that's what this is about. See, Matthew 2, verse 2, says, <clears throat> and they asked, the, the Magi asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Talk about a, a Christmas traveling. These first guys, they traveled a long, long time. Some say it was months. Others, the other historians, biblical historians say it could have even been years that these guys trek and they follow this star. And honestly, if you, if you look at astrological records, there was a comet that appeared in the east and it actually flew that trajectory and it burnt out and twinked out right over Israel. That part is historic. There was a movie star. And they've come to worship him. That was their whole point. They didn't come to get in good with the new king. He's going to be this big power broker in his neck of the woods. And we want to be the first ones to come and connect with him and get in on his good side. They went there to worship the king of the Jews, the king of creation. See, in Matthew 2.11, they finally find the place. See, they mistakenly went to where they thought a king would be. They went to Jerusalem, the capital of that area. If there's going to be a king, he'd be in the capital. They just go there. Where's the king? Well, he's not there. They find out, oh, he, Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, this little insignificant place at this point in history. And they go to Bethlehem and there and they find him. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. They opened their treasures and presented him. They made that journey with all of that stuff carrying it on their camels when they could have had extra bread and all of those different things but they wanted to present a gift to a king in fact they they i've heard it said that if a king or these wise men a noble person was going to present a gift to a king then it was going to be camel loads of it we tend to think of the sweet little manger scene that we see out on different places, and you got this little, this little, little baby-sized little box and a little box of gold and a little bit of stuff in there. But more than likely, they're traveling that far. They're going to see a king. They have camel loads of gold and camel loads of incense, camel loads of myrrh, and all of these different things. 
This is the, some significant worship and gifts that they have come to present Jesus. It is about, it is about worship. That's what it has to be about, 100%. See, Luke 2.20 said, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and that they had seen, which were just as that they had been told. It was exactly the way that they had been told it would be. Now remember the scene that they're showing up on. They're told that they're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, which means nothing to our Western culture, and laying in a manger, which in our words is a Christmas crib. But it's not. A manger is a feed trough for the animals. Okay? It's the equivalent of a dog bowl. Okay? And the swaddling cloths, those were cloths that were used primarily for the burial preparation. So here they are. How, what, how, what kind of a crazy scene? What mom is going to take her newborn baby and wrap her in these, wrap that child in these things used for, for burial and then stick it in a feed trough? That makes no sense. They get the news from the angels that that's what they're going to go see. They're like, all right, I got to go check this out. And sure enough, sure enough, that's what they walk on. And they see this incredible, incredible picture of who Jesus is. That he is the bread of life. That he has come to feed the lowly of the lowly. When Jesus is trying to communicate how far his love and grace reaches, he tells a story about a guy who got his inheritance prematurely, decided to go live it up, goes off to a foreign country and blows his half of daddy's money, blows it. Finally, he's flat broke, gets a job slopping hogs. And he is so hungry, he covets the seed pods that he is pouring into a manger. And at that point, he comes to himself and goes, Man, my daddy is so good to his servants. I'll just go be one of those. That here's this guy who's done nothing but squander everything that's ever been given to him and been an absolute fool. And when does his moment turn around when he finally is willing to embrace the food presented in a feed trough? And Jesus is presented to humanity in a feed trough. He's telling his own story. Saying, you don't have to find me. We would think that God is going to present the bread of life, that it's going to be on this beautiful platter in a king's palace. But only a handful of people have access to that. Jesus could not be something only a handful of people could have access to. Jesus had to be 
that the person at the lowest point in their life, that Jesus was there for them. And if he wasn't there for them, then he's honestly he's there for no one. There he is, presented in the feed trough, wrapped in death clothes, that he was born to die for you and I. The very first material that his earthly body was wrapped in was the same kind of material his earthly body was wrapped in last. (laughs) Same kind of material. His whole story, who he is and his assignment and what he's going to do is visually laid out. (laughs) And this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And laying in a feed trough. Oh. Oh. It's about worshiping him. It's about worshiping him. See, the truth is the chaos of the season will try to contend for our worship. See, there are demands that are put on our time on our money and our attention during this time of the year like nothing else. Well, what is our worship about? It's about giving our time. You can't worship without setting aside a time, some time for it. It requires time invested. It's going to require your, our resources. It's going to require us giving of our full selves. It's going to require... Uh, embrace and require our attention I sit up here and I sing lyrics to the song that's not on the screen I make up my own words most of the time I realize that doesn't work if we all do that but I do it because I know these songs and I love them. And my problem is, is I'm responsible for so much happening around here is honestly, I will get on autopilot And I will have words coming out of my mouth. And it will sound like Brandon Clark is worshiping God. And my mind is somewhere else going, what's happening in kids' church? What's happening over here? Is this thing in T9 happening? Is all of these different things. And I, my attention is not there. You look on the outside and you say, oh, man, Pastor Brandon, he's worshiping. I wouldn't be worshiping. I'd be going through the motions. So I have to engage my mind. And I make up my own words and I sing what's on my heart. And I do that because I will worship my king. So we have to make sure that each of these simple acts, the giving of our time, of our money, of our attention, are acts of worship that allow us to be cheerful givers of our all three. Please, when, you, when somebody this holiday season taps you on the shoulder and they want to spend a little time with you, give it joyfully. Don't go, oh, let me see if I can squeeze you into my holiday schedule. Man, time is a, a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift. Dads, if you can do it, take, a little, take another day off. I know, it's, I know you can make extra money during the holiday season. But you, you, we never get time back. We can get more money, but we never get time back. Don't take this opportunity to take the shifts nobody else wants if you can avoid it. 
I understand sometimes you can't, and that's fine, and there's, there's, there's a, I believe there's a blessing in that, stepping up and doing what's required of you. But if, if it's within your power, let's take a little extra time. Matthew 4, 9 through 10 says, All of this I will give you. Remember, there's a contention for our worship. And even with Jesus, the enemy tried to take his worship. He said, All this I will give you. This is the devil talking to Jesus. There when he is, he's, um, he's, he's tempting him in the desert. He said, if you will bow down and you will worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what this has to be about. Matthew 15, 7 through 9 says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips and their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. I've done it. I've just told you a story about how it happens to me even standing in a moment like this. There's this constant contention with our responsibilities in the world to just distract us. We've got to set it aside and make sure that this is a time of just worshiping the greatest gift ever given us. Romans 1, 25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. It has to be, it has to be about worshiping Him. See, our worship should be a natural response to God drawing us near. Christmas season is about God getting near to us. It's not about us getting near to God. This first story this Christmas that we, this story that we celebrate, it's about God coming near to us. And it should be a natural response. When my wife scoots a little towards me on the couch, I don't scoot away. I scoot a little her way. I'm heading her direction. She draws near. It ought to be our response to draw near to God. See, true worship is not a forced requirement, but an expression of the heart. Please don't let it sound like that I'm saying, you better worship Jesus this holiday season. Because that's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to beat you over the head with some sort of responsibility to worship. I'm saying, let's just make this a big reset moment. That, in, that we don't get in all the craziness that somehow we look up and we left Jesus out of it. Let's just keep it that. See, Matthew 1, 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. That God came to be with us, to connect with us, to understand us, to reach out to us. That is what this is about. And again, Matthew 2, 2. 
We've already looked at it once, but in the context of this, it said, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, they thought that it was obvious to everybody there. He came to the people of Israel. They come up and they're just asking a simple old question. Hey, like saying, where's the bathroom? Hey, where's the bathroom? I need to go use it. Where's the one that's born the king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. Where is he? They just figured everybody was clued in on it. It was, it was obvious to them. But they had got wrapped up in the living life and they had missed it. It was news to the people he was, they were talking to. They're like, what? Well, if he does come, it's going to be here and there. Let's, let's, let's study him. Let's look at the signs. That he's near to us, but it's sadly, it's not automatically obvious to everyone. Ephesians 2, 13 says, And now Christ Jesus, <clears throat> who you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. How beautiful. How beautiful. I think that's part of why we as believers, we desire it's such a big deal for us to connect with each other at Christmas time. When we begin to think about what God did to us about drawing us near, that the body of Christ would want to rally and be close together. There's the, there's the whole term that's thrown out about the, the, the twice a year church attenders, the priesters, and uh, show up at Christmas and Easter. And, um, and so, but I, I appreciate those that 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 maybe they don't make it in, in there all the time, but at least they recognize that in these moments when we when we see that God entered our world and came to us, that He died and He and He provided He provided forgiveness and love for all, that we would rally together and want to be close. There is this natural desire for nearness at this time when we celebrate that God came near now we may do it in a little bit different fashion we may all celebrate a little differently there may be some this holiday season that are doing a very formal christmas liturgy and and they have all of the 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 different candles and they do stuff very formally we don't do that but there's nothing wrong with those that do it's simply Staying focused on Jesus. If the worship is focused on Jesus, I don't care how formal or how casual it is. It has to stay focused on Jesus. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us come near to God with an honest and true heart. Let us come near with a faith that is sure and strong. Our hopes have been sprinkled. Our minds have been cleansed from a sense of guilt and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That's what Christmas is about. The simple truth of Christmas is that God came near. <laughs> that he sent his son and interjected him in to our chaos to bring life and order once again. <sighs> it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful truth. And if we'll embrace it, it changes everything. I pray, and this is my, 
my desire is that you let your worship go to a deeper place this holiday as you keep Christmas simply about Jesus. Maybe you have some holiday traditions that you do as a family. Maybe you read the Christmas story and you open up to Luke 2 and you, and you read it together. That's a wonderful way to, to reset it and to, to bring this, this worship and this adoration of, of Jesus into that. I, continue that. If you don't, that's a, great, that's a great place to start. And in my family, we do something different. And I know you just come out of Thanksgiving, and it sounds like this fits with Thanksgiving. But when we're sitting there and, and we have all the gifts piled around, and I can't remember when it started. I've done it as my conscious life, that with my Clark household, and then as we've married and grandkids have come along, and there's a bunch of us. Then we pause and everybody takes an opportunity before anything gets opened or we do any of that to talk about what we're thankful that God's done in our lives over the last year. And we bring the work of God and his work in our lives and in our family into the center focus. And it's something my parents did. All I've done is, is carry it on. It's something my parents did. And I'm so grateful that they have taught me from an early age to keep jesus as the focus the worship of him get creative you don't have to do something my family does or somebody else does let the holy spirit bring new things that you do but i want to challenge you in your family life outside of just attending church do something at home this holiday season that connects with your family with who jesus is in this in the simple truth of this in a greater way This morning, I think it would be remiss of me if we didn't give an opportunity for those who maybe are disconnected from God. Maybe you thought this whole Christianity thing was one of these other religions where basically it's this this thing where you just work harder and do better and, and, and you follow a list of rules and do a bunch of stuff. But that's not what Christianity is about at all. And I'm sorry that some people paint it that way, but it's not what it is about. Christianity is about the truth that God sent his son Jesus. That while we were still jacked up and didn't care about him to die for us. That's what, that's what this story is about. That he was sinless and died and paid the, a debt of death. So that you and I could legally say that death counts for my sin. And he paid it and it's right and it's just. And I believe that he did that for me. And we step over from death to life and we now have relationship with God based on that. And not based on our own doings, but on what he has done. And if you're here this morning, I just appreciate if everybody created a quiet moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Brandon, I want that. Then I want you to just lift your hand. And I want to pray with you. If that's you, have a quiet moment to do this together. All right, family, I just want you all to pray with me. Pray with those that have raised their hands. Yes. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. What a beautiful gift. I thank you for loving me that much. 
that you would send your son to be born and then to die in my place. I believe that he did it and that he did it for me. That my debt is paid and I'm alive in you based only on what Jesus did. I thank you for your love and your Holy Spirit that's going to change me from the inside out. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes.